Thanks, Chris. Hey, if you're a, a guest with us, I also wanted to mention that, hey, we want to welcome you to Waterford Community Church. We're glad that you are here, and uh, we love to connect with you. And there is a uh, card there you can uh, fill out uh, in the uh, seat in front of you, or you can scan that QR code and uh, fill an online card out. We appreciate that. But if you take the card with you, uh, and that, uh, head back, and uh, Nicole will be back there to give you a gift, uh, if, especially if you're a first-time uh, guest with us, and so we welcome you. Um, it's good to be able to be able uh, to be back and open up the Word of God with you, and so I'm going to invite you to open up to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, this summer, we've been in um, uh, a series called The Poet's Corner, uh, where we've been looking at passages that use poetry uh, in, in the writing of the Bible, different authors. And, and uh, we've seen, you know, obviously Psalms is a whole book of poetry. Pastor Brent had looked at that a couple weeks ago. And, and that um, last week I looked at uh, Philippians chapter 2 with you where Apostle Paul uh, used a hymn as a reflective of what he wanted to share on who Christ is and what he, what he did. And, so this week, I want to again look at another passage of, of Paul's where he inserts uh, what is believed to be a, a hymn or a, a, a poetry that would have been recited, a part of, it would have been recited back or sung back as he emphasizes um, in his writing to Timothy, he's coming along trying to encourage Timothy on enduring hardships for Jesus Christ. And so we're looking at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I like to read through the text first, and then we'll kind of dig out some things in that regard. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to start with verse, verse 8. It says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is, is not chained. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then he goes into this section, which is believed to be a hymn, where he writes, here is a trustworthy saying. And you'll, you'll see the couplets that, that are in these next verses, four different couplets. He goes, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also do, disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I'm a, uh, I have, over the years, have followed a, a pastor, teacher, just a great Bible teacher, scholar in, in one sense, Tim Keller. He is, uh, he's, he is a former pastor out of New York City of Redeemer Church. In fact, he uh, just passed away this past a couple months ago with pancreatic cancer. But he has great depth and insight, and so I would even follow his quotes or his tweets or his Instagram posts. And one came up some years ago that really hit home with me, and I'd like to share it with you this morning. And this is what he said. The basic premise of religion, that if you try hard to be good, things will go well for you, is wrong. Jesus lived perfectly, yet he suffered. And so as we begin to open this text here, this teaching of Paul that we're looking at today, I believe that's 
kind of the, the idea, the, the thought in the forefront of, of Paul's mind here too. Here, here's the truth. I think we got to just kind of lay out from the beginning, and that is this. We live in a broken world that has yet to be made whole and new. We also live in a world where there is an enemy, Satan, who looks to attack those who follow after Jesus Christ. And so we also experience those realities. And Paul understood this also. Paul understood this firsthand in his own life, this reality. That, and he was looking to, to uh, teach Timothy, in a sense, encourage Timothy, uh, um, and, and come alongside Timothy in regards to this truth, uh, even as before he's going to be executed himself. At this point, as he's writing this, he himself is in chains. He is looking to where his life is going to be taken because of his proclamation of the Word of God, as his proclaiming of Jesus Christ. And so, here's the thing, as we, we kind of dig out the, these verses here and then land with this hymn, is that out of this passage, Paul lays out, I think, four truths for enduring hardships for Jesus Christ. For us as followers of Jesus Christ, we will experience that these realities. When we start to live and proclaim Jesus Christ, there is a resistance in a sense. There is not a favorability at times in all conversations. And so Paul, so Paul here, he shares these four truths with Timothy, and I believe... Uh, they, uh, they are, in essence, being shared with us. Things that we can gain and uh, where we can gain insights. And so let's look at the first three truths that Paul writes about and then end with the fourth one where he expresses it in a, a, in a hymn form uh, that would, they would have sung or even recited, put to memory uh, in that regards. And the first thing I think we need to see is this. To endure hardship faithfully, we need to fix your, our eyes on Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Look again at verse 8 where it says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. And Paul, here's the thing. Paul looked first to focus on who Jesus is. He was going, and he, and he wanted Timothy to do, to do the same thing. To focus on who Jesus is and what he came to provide. Now, if you were to study other passages that, from Scripture like Acts 20 and then also 1 Timothy, uh, we know when we study those passages that this time there were false teachers who were uh, uh, a problem in the church at that time. They were uh, men who were claiming to be teachers, but they were teaching a false doctrine, a false teaching in that regards, uh, in particular in the church of Ephesus. And the main issue of the false teaching that was incorrect, was, was an incorrect view of who Jesus Christ was. In Timothy's day, uh, many claimed that Christ was divine, but not human. God, not, but not man. And today, you know, we often hear that Jesus was the opposite. You know, Jesus was human, but he's, but he's not divine. He's, he was a man, but, but not God. And so here's the thing I think we need to grab a hold of in that regard. Some of them tried to, you know, question also his divinity in, in, in that regards too. But, but here's the truth to understand, I think, in this regards. Each view that, you know, Jesus is not God or, or, or Jesus is not human, all right, he's, he's only one or the other. Each view destroys really 
what we define as the gospel or the good news that Jesus Christ has taken our sins on himself and has reconciled us to God through that act. Because Jesus, you know, being both fully God and fully human, it's essential. It's essential to what we describe as the, the gospel message. God came in human form to provide a way of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's important truth to grab a hold of, to understand, and clearly, clearly to fix your eyes on. So, so we, see, we see that. So let's, let's just briefly look at Christ's humanity. He was the Son of God, becoming man, flesh and blood. He came as a child. We know and understand the Christmas story. He grew, and then he began his ministry uh, uh, and, and, and had, uh, you know, doing miraculous things. From the Bible, we understand that he had a human nature, and because he had a human nature, here's the thing I think we need to realize and that helps give us hope in, in this regards when we face difficult times is that he knows the sufferings of life, the trials of life, the temptations of life, the problems and the difficulties of life, the sorrows of life, the struggles and the pains of life. Jesus Christ knows exactly what we face in life. He's very much aware. Therefore, he is able to guide us through all the trials of life. No matter what the sufferings are, Jesus Christ can deliver us through the sufferings and empower us to triumphant over them. No matter what the sufferings are, Jesus Christ can deliver us through those things. We have victory. We have victory through hardships. And here's the thing. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, who's both fully God and fully man. Now, but you look at the other side also, though. In that regards to his divinity. Jesus was divine and he is divine. He, was the, he is the very nature of God himself. We looked at that last week. In our passage, we looked at in Philippians, and and, and really dug that dug that out. Uh, how do we how do we know that he is this that he is divine? Well, per, simply put, he's raised. He was raised from the dead. He is alive today. Point blank. If Jesus was not alive today, if he was not raised from the dead, life would be hopeless for us as followers of God of Jesus Christ, and so. So here's the thing, you know, um, he died, he, he arose, and he lives forever presently in the presence of God. And we can know that his presence, we can know that presence as we live by the Holy Spirit now that he left right and went to the Father's side. But he sent his Holy Spirit, his Spirit, that we might know his presence in the day-to-day life. The aspect of his divine power at work in us. So when you face hardships, fix your eyes on Jesus, who is God and has the power to change hearts, who has the power to bring good out of a terrible situation, who has the power to give you strength and to continue to walk faithfully, showing his love and his grace. 
You know, when I, when I think about this whole aspect of, uh, of fixing your eyes on Jesus, if you've, if you've spent any time in the Word of God, and I hope that you are doing that on your own, and we want to encourage you to do, we do have a, a sermon resource guide we encourage you to do as a follow-up, but also to go beyond that and, and begin to dig out God's truth. But a, a, a verse that, you would, that I would encourage you to commit to memory is, is from Hebrews 12, too, where uh, the writer says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. He is working and perfecting us in our faith, all right? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the call is to endure hardships, fix our eyes on, on Jesus. Secondly, though, I think what we need to see here from this, this passage is this. And it comes from verse 9, where he says, he ends there, this, uh, verse 8, This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. And here, we can endure, we endure hardships faithfully when we live by his powerful word. And, and I would add this, proclaim it in our lives. Proclaim it in the world, but also speak it into our own lives. You see, here Paul he was in prison. I can only imagine. And he's in prison because of the word of God he preached. He shared his faith. He's proclaiming the message of, of Jesus Christ. And, and the reality is that Paul was, you know, was, was pre, what he was preaching about, that being that uh, Jesus, uh, it, it was, that, that reality was that it was not very popular back then. And it's, it's no popular in that day as it, was, is, it is in our day. But here's, the, here, here's what's important to know about God's Word. It reaches hearts. When you proclaim God's Word, when you share God's Word, when you sit down and you open up the copy of your Word of God and, and you begin to share what God has taught you and you begin to share the truth and you begin to share, it, there's there's power in the Word of God. And it's incredible what the Holy Spirit will do with the Word of God. It perseveres through any attack and is powerful in changing the hearts and minds and bringing comfort to the soul of anyone. When Paul said that Jesus was God, when he was declaring that at that time, he first angered the Jews. Uh, who had condemned Jesus for blasphemy. No! And he, that's why Jesus went to the cross, one of the reasons. But you know what? Yet still many Jews became believers. We see that within Scripture. When Paul said Jesus was God, he also angered the Romans, uh, who worshipped uh, the emperor's God. Yet there were some in Caesar's household who uh, turned to Jesus as a result of Paul's ministry. And when Paul said Jesus was human too, then he angered the Greeks. <laughs> because they, they thought that God should never have any contact with humanity. Because it would spoil their divinity. And still, there were many Greeks, many Greeks who accepted faith in Jesus Christ. Again, I, I turn to another passage of Scripture that would be good to put to memory or to meditate or 
paste on your mirror or wherever you spend time in the Word of God. And I hope that you do that. And that would be uh, Hebrews 4.12 where it says, For the Word of God is living and active. Every time, man, this would be a verse. Every time you sit down with, with the, the Word of God, this would be a good verse to quote or to memorize. And, and be reminded, for the word of God that I'm about to open or I'm gonna about to share is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of souls, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. There's power in the word of God. You cannot, you cannot imprison the powerful word of God, or limit its fact of work in a person's life. There's, here's the thing, there's, there's no greater thing than when you sit down with someone and you open the word of God and you let the spirit of Christ take, you know, take the living and active word of God, all right, and use it to the open the eyes and the heart of someone who's blind, blind to the truth. The truth of God's word, it, it, it's being believed by people every day and changing their lives for eternity. So we endure hardships, living faithfully by his word, continue to proclaim his word because it changes lives. And you know, I, I, I find that always significant every time I get to open up the Word of God, especially when I sit down with an individual and I'm sharing with them how to come to faith in Jesus Christ. There is something incredible that, that happens, and I count it. And I, 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 I look just to step back and just let the Word of God and the Spirit of God do its thing. I, I had one gentleman who came into my office one time, and uh, he said, my daughter thinks I need to come talk to you. Okay, what about? <laughs> well, she thinks I need to come talk to you about eternal life and knowing and uh, my, my eternity. And so I said, okay, I love doing that. And so I began, I opened this, in fact, this word, and this copy of the Word of God I still have with me today. And, and then I opened it up. And I, I, I don't know about you, but I sharpen my sword. You know, the Word of God is our sword, right? I sharpen it. You know how I sharpen it? I write notes in the front cover, all right? Because I'm not a good memorizer. And so I look here, and I have my favorite way of sharing Christ. And, and, uh, and so I open it up, and, and I, got, I, got, oh, I got notes here. Oh, and I go, oh, yeah, share Jesus without fear. I got some fear right now, God. I want to do it without fear. And so I start with Romans 3.23. And so I flip open to three, Romans 3.23, and I start to open the Word of God. And with this gentleman, I did the same thing. And I began to open, and then I have this little note. In fact, it's at the page, at the top of the page. In fact, I have him, I, I go like this, and I, I, I say, you read the Word of God. And he reads the Word of God, and I asked him, I says, so what does that say to you? And he would share, well, uh, I, I'm a sinner, and, and all have sinned, and, 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 and there's no hope. Yes, but there's hope through Jesus. And so I would I'd go through the gospel in, in that way. And I remember with this particular gentleman, I got to, uh, I got to Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10, where it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with our heart that we believe and with our mouth that we confess. 
and are made whole and are saved. I'm not got the exact translation, but what was powerful in that moment is that um, all of a sudden, tears began to come to his eyes. The Spirit of God was working in him. I wasn't feeling the Spirit of God. I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? What's happening? But in that moment, as I simply just proclaimed the, the Word of God, and I let the Holy Spirit do his thing, and, I, 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 and then I, I abided, guided by the Holy Spirit in my own life, I just, I had more verses to read. I wasn't done yet. But God was. And I turned to him and I, says, I said, Brent, Brent, have you ever confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever come to that moment? And he turned to me and in tears says, no, I haven't. I haven't. There's power. Power in the Word of God. And so we endure. We endure faithfully to live as we live by the powerful Word and proclaim that powerful Word into, the, into people's lives. But I also believe into our own lives. We need to speak the Word of God into our own heart regularly that we might be encouraged by the Spirit of God. But thirdly, I think there's a third thing to see here in this regards is this. To endure hardships faithfully, we, must, we need to be motivated by others being saved. By others being saved. Look at verse 10. And he says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory, that they would come and know, and we would call it be saved from, from their debt of sin, and know that they have a forgiveness and a relationship with the eternal God through Jesus Christ. See, when Paul uses this phrase, for the sake of the light, he's implying that God has direct involvement in those uh, who give their lives to him. God is at work, and he has a direct involvement in seeing that come to be. Yet, here's the thing to understand. At the same time, we also know that each individual is responsible for his or her response to God's call on their life to salvation to obedience, whatever. We have that responsibility. Yet Paul clearly understood that God works. God works for, through those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ to proclaim as they proclaim the gospel to all people. And so I know that I can join God in what he is doing. And so when I sat down with Brent and I began to, I was, it was not me, it was all God. I just got to be part of it. In that way. And, and Paul saying, man, I, I'm going to do that no matter what. Here's the thing. The elect are simply those who trust in Christ Jesus for salvation. These are people who are yet unknown. Paul's willing to suffer hardships. He is motivated 
to be a part of God working in the life of an unbeliever. Whatever it takes, God used me. He knew as he continued to live faithfully, even in times of hardship, God would invite him to join him in his work, being a part of him doing kingdom things in other people's lives. Paul, he expands on this this understanding as he wrote to the Philippians in in, in chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 12 and 14. I'll just read it for you. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He is in chains. He's under Roman guard. All right. As a result, though, he goes, in verse 13 of chapter 1, he goes, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that uh, that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fiercely. And so he saw multiple, multiple things here. Not only that he's seen people come to faith in Christ, even in the Roman guard that he's chained to God. He imagined here a captive audience a little bit. Maybe that's Paul, how Paul looked at it. Well, hi, you're chained to me for the next three hours. Let's talk, you know. You can imagine. And so, so many times it's like, okay, maybe you're in a situation where you're like, I don't know if I like where I'm at. I'm kind of chained to this person. Well, let's talk. And you be a part of what God's doing. And so he, he endured hardships faithfully because he was, he was so motivated by others being saved. I want to be a part of what God's doing in people's lives. And I'm going to endure. I'm going to continue. And he used that. And he's encouraging Timothy to do the same thing. But then lastly, we come to this hymn and this poetry. And um, let me just read it here again. He says there in verses 11 through 13, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him... We'll also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And I think the last thing here that I want to leave you with is this in this regards is that enduring faithfully, all right, enduring hardships faithfully is 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 by trusting in his promises. This hymn, or or poetry, uh, however it was used by the early church, would have been, it would have been either sung or recited over. And and to understand what is is being said here, it's important to understand, uh, to know that these verses, they're written in couplets. You'll see four different couplets, right? If, uh, again, the couplets are, um, uh, in this regards, if we die with him, you see that, all right, that's the first part of the first couplet. And then verse 12, if we endure, we see that. And then halfway through verse 12, you see, if we disown, that's the third couplet. And then in verse 13, you see, if we are faithless. Those, those are the beginning of each couplet. And, and they were written in these couplets as, as, uh, that, that, that reflected on the, on the suffering and the hardships and so he put it in this, this, this form. And so the, here's the thing. The early church, 
they faced a lot of suffering and persecution because of their faith in Christ. And if you do any study within church history, you will see that reality. We're very much aware of, of, uh, of the lions and all those things that, that took place. Very, very harsh, very evil, I would, I would describe them as. And so they experienced this because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they had this song or poem that they would recite in times of hardship that they would be encouraged by. And again, this may be a passage that maybe you may want to put to memory in, in, in this regard. And so after studying this, um, there's a lot of opinions <laughs> out there in, in that regard. But I think, I, I think I've come to understand that the best way of understanding what's being taught in this poem or song they would, re- would recite. And, and this is, you know, what I've come to un- understand. The first line of the hymn is connected by way of contrast to the third line. And the second line is connected by contrast to the fourth line. And so the first and third lines mean this. If we hold fast to our confession of faith unto death, we will live eternity in heaven with him, but if we deny him, we will, he will deny us before the Father. And so we see that also over in Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 33. Jesus warned of this and that. Now the second and fourth lines contrast to mean if we endure hardships with him, now we will be rewarded by, the, by reigning with him in heaven. But if we are faithless, and I think this is important to understand right here, if we are faithless by not enduring hardships, We'll lose rewards, but because of his faithfulness to his covenant, we will still be saved, for he cannot deny himself. And that aspect of understanding that with we are genuinely have faith with Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can pluck us out of the Father's hands. And a good, a good way to illustrate this, we can look at the two disciples who fell away in different ways who were following Jesus himself. The first would have been Judas Iscariot, who would fit under line three. The one who denied Christ, you know, he denied Christ for 30 pieces of silver, and then uh, major guilt, but not repentance. He went and hung himself. And so he denied Christ, he turned against him, and he was lost. He was lost. The other example... And whether, you know, and, and there's, there's the whole, whether Judas really knew Christ or not, I don't believe he did, but he was just there for the money, in a sense. But regardless, he was lost in that way. But then you see also, the other example would be Peter, the Apostle Peter, on whom this, the church is built. On this rock, I will build my church, which is kind of significant. And Peter, um, as you know, was one of God's elect who momentarily was faithless. He denied three Christ how many times? Three times. And went away. But he repented, and Jesus restores him when he comes back to life. Remember that? And he comes to Jesus, and what does, he, what does Jesus say simply to Peter? Feed my sheep. Three times. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. In that regards. And so, 
regardless of the theological, and I, I'm important, I think it's important to study and go deeper into the Word of God because that's what helps you to worship God in greater ways. And if, 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 if you are not diving deep into some of these things and, and wanting to study more, uh, I, I believe your faith will stay right where it's at, shallow, and it won't go deeper, and, and even your worship won't be as, as deep and personal. And so I encourage people to dive into things. But here's the thing. I want to leave you with, okay? Here's the application. Is that when we fail, we should confess our sins. <laughs> Immediately. When the Spirit of God begins to convince. Knowing that he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I live by that in my own life. Because there's this man you, you see up here is in no way got it all down, in no way is living in perfection. He's being perfected. And I have my times of failure and my times of needing to confess my sin and get back up and see Christ renew me and, and set me back on the path. And so we see that here. See, here's the thing. Our salvation ultimately rests on God's faithfulness and grace, not on our perfect record. So, so we commit to living faithfully in hardships by trusting in his promise that he will keep us, sustain us, even when we stumble and fall. What hope that is, right? I'm going to invite the band to come in closing. Uh, as we're going to close out a song, it's just a song of worship, a reflection, and, and maybe God's speaking into your own life. Maybe there's a burden you've been carrying, and maybe there's a hardship you've been facing. Maybe there's something that's been going on in your life. And I'm going to, I'm going to invite uh, a couple of our elders, Lemoyne and I don't know, if you, Sandy, if you would like to come, and Gary and Susan, maybe on each side. If you need prayer, I invite you to come down, and they will pray with you. And, and you can come there and just sing the song or at the end of the service, wherever. But we want you to know, we as a, a, a leadership team here, as, as, a, as a staff, and also as a, a elder team, that here we are here to help you, encourage you to walk faithfully. And that maybe this hymn becomes an expression of your heart. Here is a trustworthy statement. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure we will also reign with him. If we disown him, we will, he will also disown us. If we are faith, faithless, he will remain faithful. For he cannot disown himself. And you'll walk and endure and see God do greater and greater things in your life. I don't know the hardships you are facing because you proclaim Jesus or even the hardships you're just pure facing in life right now. But God knows. God knows. And he wants to carry you through that. And that's going to go happen as you continue. And even when you struggle with this, I know I'm going to continue to fix my eyes on Jesus. And maybe, again, another you, you get another discouragement or whatever it may be. And you said, no, I'm going to live by the powerful God. I'm going to claim the word of God and I'm going to speak it into my life. No, I'm going to be motivated. See, God is at work and he's bringing people to himself and I want to be a part of that. 
God continue. No, but most importantly, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust in your promises. For they are true. They are active and they are powerful. Stand with us as we sing.